weeks, I feel like, but I think it's only been like two weeks. Um, to give the audience a little bit of uh, details, um, oh, that's my social security number. <laughs> um, uh, Joel's like eight feet away from me right now. We decided to switch the table set up in the kitchen. So today we're talking about a topic. Oh, wait, we get to introduce the drink and what we're doing here. Welcome back to Why Will No One Date These Guys. Wow, it's been too long. Um, Nearly I'm Naomi a Guy. year of episodes. Yeah. And we still haven't figured I'm this out. I'm Naomi Guy. I'm Joel Guy. And this is Why Will No One Date These Guys, a podcast relating, uh, relating, relating, talking well, about sex, dating, Complaining about how no one would date us and all the reasons. And then people started dating us, yeah. which was a mistake. And so now we either have to like, keep the branding or change the branding and like why will no why will people continue to date these guys but also we're taking this as an opportunity to educate and like potentially help some people when it comes to gender and sex issues yeah. so like if you have any good ideas for what we should change our podcast name to or think we should just power through like the professional I think we, we should power through because I haven't told you this, but I'm about to tell you some good news. I actually got somebody um, locally to potentially sponsor our podcast. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god, this yeah. is breaking news. Yeah, listeners, news. you are hearing this. I just the got same this. I am nine oh nine a.m. on March thirteenth. I just got this news like Tuesday of this week, and I had an interview for an internship at like a local um, organization, and they were like, "Look, we have advertising funds. Let me put it in the podcast." And I was like, "Amazing!" So I'm waiting to hear back on it. It's not fully through, but they're very interested. Well, now I feel bad for like doing episodes about marry me in between like, education <laughs> on trans issues. Uh, so Naomi, what are we drinking today? Today, Joel, why don't you introduce this drink? You picked it up. Okay, so. There's, for, for those who don't know, in the area of Arizona, I don't know if this is something in other states, there's a hardware chain called Ace Hardware. And, like, among other things that they sell, they also have this giant display case of, like, specialty sodas at the front. So I've been like, oh, that looks interesting, and picking it up. Today we're trying, dang, that's good, Italian original Italian cherry, cherry soda. soda. Yeah. Gluten-free and caffeine-free. At some point we have to... Go to Sweeties. This just tastes like the coffee syrup mom used to give us when you were younger and we it's were sick. It's not that bad. It's close. It, it's like liquefied maraschino cherries. Oh, my God. It's the syrup that it comes in mm. with carbonation. It's like a really bad... You know those cherry limes you get at Sonic? I live on those during the summer. It's like that, but so much worse. I think it would be good with like some scoops of ice cream, make a float out of it. Oh, yeah. Okay. If but, you, like, aren't into root beer. Yeah, I'm not offended by it. I don't think I'll buy it again, though. So, uh, Joel, it is 2020 too much fun. Tell me what you've been getting into. Being depressed. Okay, awesome. I see you have some new paintings up in the house that the listeners um, can't see. I've been doing a lot of thrifting with Lauren. To be clear, we're not, like, incredibly wealthy. I mean, it's thrifting, so if you spend more than $10 in a transaction, you're doing it wrong. Uh, but yeah, we've been. It depends on what it is. Going to flea markets and visiting stores, and I'm finding tasteful wall art to make the home look more, more homey. Yeah. Like an adult lives here, because that's what adults have wall art, right? Yeah. Um, but no, a lot, a lot of fun little knickknacks. I'm slowly replacing parts of my wardrobe. I enjoy the ability to reuse items before they get tossed in a landfill forever. That makes me feel good. Yeah. What about yourself, Naomi? Um. Well, on the the topic of home, we are re- currently trying to rent out our third bedroom. 
And I posted it on Facebook Marketplace yesterday and I got some really fucking weird responses in the first like 10 minutes. So I just deleted it. Like I put women only in the description. And I was like, if you want to apply, like apply through this like website. And I kept getting like I was like, I will not respond to you. Like you have to apply like at this website. And um, this guy like email like texted me over Facebook Marketplace and he was like, hey, I'm, like, super interested, like, I can, like, I move in ready right now, and I was, like, look, like, I'm super sorry, but, like, we're looking for a woman in the third room, and he was, like, I could be a woman for you, and, um, that's when I deleted the post, so, uh, don't give out your personal information on Facebook Marketplace, that's what I learned yesterday. Facebook Um, brings out the best in people. No, I really, like, love Facebook Marketplace for buying things, like, secondhand, but I don't like it for, like, Hotel or um, play like renting your own place. So to answer your original question, um, this past week was my spring break. Um, I did a lot of relaxing. I took a couple naps. I went mm. to go see our brother, our mystical brother that we don't talk about a lot for his privacy, in a city that will remain unnamed. He's gonna show up on like episode five hundred, right? No, he actually. It was really funny. We were talking about the podcast, and our we were at dinner with our aunt, and she was like, "Yeah, you guys are on like episode like forty four or something." And he goes, "Oh my god!" Because he had promised us that episode one hundred he'd be on. Oh, did he? I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, he got freaked out by that. So, um, Max, be ready. We're gonna have to bleep out his name. No, that's not his real name. That's his name he goes by. Yeah, but like I go by Rosie, but like. Nobody, well, like, Naomi, that's not legal. based on the topic of our podcast, the names you go by are very important. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, we will bleep out his name. Um, okay, so, <laughs> Naomi, what are we doing here? Um, I want to give a little bit of a preamble. Um, so, we're recording Joel's this pissed. on March 13th. Um, this issue has been going on for about two thirds of a month. It originally yeah. started on February 23rd. It, like, really picked up speed really quickly. It yeah. Me out. I feel really bad because I wanted to do an episode on it that week, and I've been just horribly sick for like two and a half yeah. weeks. Yeah. Like, Joel's I could been like, speak. It was he painful like, to swallow. If anybody knows fever. Joel, he, like, really works through anything. Like, who will be on his deathbed and still working? And I knew he was, like, really, really sick because he, like, took several days off work. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? But he didn't have COVID. That was the weirdest thing. Well, that that's the funny thing, because I took two of the rapid tests I got from the federal government, and yeah. they both said I didn't have COVID. And I'm like, if none of these actually work properly, <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I really wanted to discuss this sooner. Unfortunately, I just did not have the either throat to speak with or the uh, mental impetus to, to get with. through. So this is, I think, the first time we've had both the time and the energy to do this, yeah. and I wanted to do it properly and discuss this. Uh, basically, we've discussed on this podcast before how, like, trans people are real and, like, their identity is valid. Trans people are people, too. Um, and how, like, a lot of society didn't seem to understand that basic fact and it all kind of came to a head on February 23rd. Uh, so let's just jump into it and discuss what happened exactly. So Politico had an article a day of written by Juan Perez Jr. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott this week ordered the state's youth protection agency to investigate the use of gender transition procedures on children and a directive that included calls to launch inquiries into parents and medical providers who allegedly violate the law. 
Such procedures, the state's conservative attorney general declared earlier this month, amount to child abuse under Texas law. Because the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services is responsible for protecting children from abuse, I hereby direct your agency to conduct a prompt and thorough investigation of any reported instances of those abusive procedures in the state of Texas. Uh, Abbott wrote in a February 22nd memo to Agency Commissioner J.B. Masters. Texas law also imposes a duty on DFPS to investigate the parents of a child who is subject to then these abusive gender transitioning procedures and on other state agencies to investigate licensed facilities where such procedures may occur, Abbott added. Background. Abbott's order stemmed from February 18th legal opinion authored by Republican State Attorney General Ken Paxton, which concluded transition-related medical procedures and treatments can legally constitute child abuse under several provisions of state law. Attempts by a parent to consent to such procedures and treatments on behalf of their child could also qualify as child abuse under state law, Paxton declared. He noted that failure to stop a doctor or parent from giving transition-related care to a minor could be illegal. The Texas Family Code is clear. Causing or permitting substantial harm to the child or the child's growth and development is child abuse, Paxton wrote in a legal opinion requested by Republican State House uh, Representative Matt Krause in reference to Abbott's ensuing directives. So what are the politics? Well, both Abbott and Paxton are facing significant opposition to their re-election bids as early voting begins ahead of next week's state primaries. Abbott is protecting his right flank against several credible challengers, setting the stage for a likely general election fight against former Democratic Representative Beto O'Rourke. Paxton could meanwhile be headed towards a runoff against State Land Commissioner George P. Bush, according to a recent Dallas Morning News University of Texas at Tyler Poll. The reaction, well, the Texas chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union said Paxton's opinion was not legally binding and argued the Attorney General Governor could instead spark false child abuse reports. This opinion letter have no legal effect and cannot change Texas law nor usurp the constitutional rights of Texas families, said Brian Klosterboer, an ACLU of Texas staff attorney, in a statement on Wednesday. The law is clear. Parents, guardians, and doctors can provide transgender youth with treatment in accordance with prevailing standards of care. Any parent or guardian who loves and supports their child and has taken them to a licensed health care provider is not engaged in child abuse. Um, and as of when the article is written, an agency spokesperson for the Texas Department of Family Protective Services said there are no pending investigations. Um, there was slightly different takes from the trans activists I follow on Twitter. Um, How about we just stop and just reflect on what was we just can said? On that. Yeah. Um, one, nobody likes Greg Abbott. He's turning it into the Handmaiden's Tale in Texas. I would like to throw that out there. Second, if this law goes through and it's actually like acted upon, are they going to stop showing that show called like This Is Jazz or something? You know that young woman that transitioned from male to female and she had like a whole reality TV show? Are they just going to censor that show? Uh, They will get rid of the show Transparent, about a parent who comes out as trans. I'm not even joking. It was a good title. That's a show? Yeah. It had the uh, the father from Arrested Development, and apparently there are a lot of accusations of him just being a general dick on set, so that's cool. Okay, um, those are my reflections. <laughs> okay, so uh, and just, just going on on a limb, I'm, I'm riffing here. Um, I read a lot of hot takes on this, like Zesty takes on the interwebs yeah. after this was published, yeah. and one thing that I thought was really interesting was a Jewish woman had written, I don't know if it was like a PhD thesis or like a religious text arguing that even though Jewish scripture explicitly says or at least suggests that transitioning is a bad thing, under the laws of Jewish scripture, you should still allow it. And her reasoning was this, at multiple points throughout the Torah, it said that saving lives is the most paramount value. Yeah. That like everything you should do should yield to the idea that saving lives is like the ultimate thing you can do in life. And so even though 
there's like commandments and scriptures being like, you know, if you have, you know, damaged the testicles of a man, if you have like chopped them off, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. All of that is less important than the fact that if people don't transition and are given access to high quality care, they're far more likely to kill themselves. Um, and so the argument she made, which I thought was incredibly compelling, was like, hey, even if you hate this, even if you're like radically opposed to it, even if your like religion is telling you not to do this, I would argue that the more important thing is to just let people do what they want because like all of the medical science says this is good for people. I heard a similar hot take um, about like this woman went on, you know, those like YouTube shows where they like bring together different people from different religions and they're like, um, what is your, like, do you believe in abortion or blah, blah, blah. This one was also on abortion and I talked about the same general idea um, about abortion and they talked about if Judaism, like, believes in abortion and it was like, we'd rather the woman survive than, like, potentially lose the woman mm-hmm. and have, like, a child that's, like, defenseless. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people either don't understand or conveniently forget when we talk about all these things. Like, there's plenty of situations where, like, people are willing to accept that things they don't like occur for the simple fact that, like, there's some greater value that's achieved by letting that occur. Like, even if you, like, really hate the idea of gay marriage, the fact that, like, so many gay people are, like, happy and content and, like, enjoying life. And, and don't again, have a lot of divorces. killing themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, should probably, like, indicate to you that maybe your feelings aren't as important as the, like, lived reality. And I, I don't think a lot of people think that way, but it, it is an interesting thing to sort of test, like, your biases and your assumptions to be like, yeah, there are things that I'm uncomfortable with. You know, that's part of being in the society. It's part of how you're raised. It's part of, you know, the experiences you've grown up with. But, like are there times when the things you're uncomfortable with can come second to the things that'll actually make people of a certain group like content? I don't know. Well, going back to this, it said like, it was talking a lot about child abuse, but like under this sort of like same context, it's talking about causing or permitting substantial harm to the child or the child's growth and development is child abuse. So like, if you go out and you're you give your child permission to go get a tattoo at age like 15 or 16, that's considered child abuse because it's literally a scar on you. So how come those people aren't getting arrested? Well, I, I think that's an interesting point to bring up. And I did want to talk a little bit about what exactly gender affirming medical care is. So we can skip ahead to that. Okay. So there's an article published in the Texas Tribune by uh, Is Scott Lamaget Lamagdeline on August 4th of 2021. Yeah, you mispronounced his last name. So one question that I think a lot of people have is, you know, they don't fully understand what does it mean? Like, does this mean that we're going to take like 11-year-old, you know, um, biological boys in and, you know, start lopping off parts and, you know, giving them boob jobs and things like that? Oh, it's terrifying. You know, I'm sure people have these like weird, twisted ideas of what it actually is. Well, according to Ariana Quinoez, Um, The executive director for the Texas nonprofit organization, Doctors for Change, gender-affirming care is judgment-free, individualized care oriented towards understanding and appreciating a person's gender. Providers often work with counselors and family members to ensure they have everything they need to navigate the healthcare system. Under the gender-affirming model of care, more time is spent allowing kids to socially transition instead of focused on medical treatment. 
A social transition consists of the steps a child takes to affirm their identity. An example could include allowing a child assigned male at birth to grow their hair or use a different name and wear clothing that better fits their identity. This transition is done with the family and community's support. The most important message is that trans kids are kids, says Seth Kaplan, president of the Texas Pediatric Society, and they deserve to have the same health care that all kids have, which is evidence-based health care that serves to promote their growth and development to help them become healthy, fully functional adults. Disgusting. Sometimes, more medical support is needed for the child. Puberty or hormone blockers are used to give a transgender kid time before deciding what permanent transition-related treatment they want. Okay, you say. Well, puberty blockers sound kind of scary. Like, what is a puberty blocker? That sounds like something that's going to, like, cause long-term effects. No, not at all. Puberty blockers are a type of medical treatment that delays puberty. They are completely reversible. It's not uncommon for puberty blockers to also be a treatment for children who aren't transgender. Since early onset puberty can cause health issues into adulthood, they've been approved medical treatment for children for decades. Hormone blockers are used for a lot of different medical purposes, not just for transgender youth. So I think it's a slippery slope when you're saying you're going to prohibit physicians from using this as a potential treatment for something. Now, some transgender children have more advanced medical procedures, like starting testosterone therapy. Those instances are rare, especially if they're allowed to go on puberty blockers, which gives them more time to decide what medical procedures they want in the future when they're on an adult, when they are an adult. Language and legislation targeting medical care doesn't actually reflect that. One bill filed last year's legislative session in Texas by State Representative Matt Krause sought to ban gender transitioning and listed procedures that do not fall under gender-affirming care. The bill did not pass. The standard is to support pre-pubertal youth where they are, says Celia Niebau, director of the Center for Adolescent Health at the People's Community Clinic in Austin. There's nothing going on with hormones or surgery. There's only living your life and being supportive of who you are. Medical experts say transgender children rarely, if ever, have surgeries like oreosectomies, I'm not familiar with that, hysterectomies, and mastectomies before they're adults. Still, Greg Abbott cited such procedures back in August 2021 in directing the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to determine whether gender confirmation surgeries are child abuse under existing state law. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, experts took issue with Abbott's language in the letter, which repeatedly referred to gender confirmation surgery as genital mutilation. It's literally the harshest language possible because he wants a reaction from his side, says Andrea Segovia, Transgender Education Network of Texas's field policy coordinator. And they can gain supporters in that of like, oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, we shouldn't be doing that to minors. So basically, there's this thing out there that not a lot of people understand, and a certain political party has weaponized it in order to get more people on their base. And it's easy for them to weaponize because I think a lot of people are already uncomfortable with the idea of trans people. Yeah. It's a group that they can fairly easily attack without people being like, uh, maybe you, you shouldn't do that. Okay, here's my hot take. Do you want to hear my hot take? I love your hot takes, Naomi. Okay, so here's my hot take. And your hot cakes. You make amazing pancakes. I don't remember the last... No, whatever. So my hot take is being transgender is not hurting anyone. Correct? Like, it's not a life or death situation. I disagree. It makes people uncomfortable. Okay, okay. That's the same thing for a lot of people. Okay, what I'm saying is that it is not directly interfering on another person's life if they are not aware. You know what I mean? So, like, you walk down the street and you could see, like, five to ten transgender individuals and you would never know. You know what I mean? Like, people are not at the point in society where they're, like, telling everyone that they're transgender because in some places, it's still very dangerous yeah. to say that and come out as transgender. Some people are still using the trans panic defense when they kill trans people. They're like, oh, I was so terrified of the fact they were trans. Yeah. So 
the thing that is really irking me is around the same time, like literally last week, a bill passed in Iowa by Governor Kim, Kim, Kim Reynolds that it was signed legislation that says that no Iowa girls, no, no Iowa transgender girls can perform in sports, like sporting events. Mm-hmm. That pissed me off because it was like sports are not life and death situations. No one gives a crap if little Kimmy, not Kimmy, let's use a different name, little <coughs> little Jim Bob, and no, that's really not stretching. Name. I'm really, really, really hurting for a girl name right now. Little, what is a girl name? Caroline. <laughs> Caroline. Little Caroline is competing against little Jamie because. It's not a life and death situation. You know what I mean? Like, it could, yes, become a situation because they're competing for scholarships. Okay, that's just regular competing. But at that point, the way that you're explaining gender reassignment surgery is that at that point, there is no... You're stopping the amount of testosterone if they're they're, um, transitioning from male to female. And, And you're kind of slowing that process down. So that they would they wouldn't have the same amount of estrogen in their body, but no one has the same uh, uh, amount of estrogen okay. as the other people. Let me jump in for a moment. So okay. we discussed this on our current events episode a couple of weeks back, and I put a link to an article from Current Affairs which discusses this issue in a bit more detail. Maybe I'll relink it again in this episode. Um, but the Current Affairs article discusses transports in general and has a couple of I think salient points. The first thing is we're always hearing about individuals who are trans winning youth sports events. What we're not hearing is the vast majority of trans youth suck at sports. Uh, it turns because they're out they're not socialized. Well, th- there's that. They're um, not necessarily comfortable in their yeah. new bodies. Yeah. Uh, there's the fact that there's actually vast overlap in the strength and endurance capabilities of the sexes. So just because like you suddenly have added testosterone or subtracted testosterone doesn't like magically mean you're going to have an advantage because yeah. there's these two bell curves that intersect significantly. Yeah. So like a vast majority of the time when a trans person is competing in sports, they're not doing that well. And then you might ask, well, why are trans people competing in sports? Uh, I did see an amusing tweet, which is something along the lines of um, one of my students who was trans told me they were taking, you know, soccer so they didn't have to do piano and (laughs) confirming once and for all the only reason people do sports is so their parents won't make them do piano. Um, but, But in general, like, this idea that, like, trans people have this magical advantage in sports is just ludicrous. Um... The second really salient point is there's a lot of people who do really well in sports right now who are biologically male or biologically female, but have some sort of like genetic advantage. And yeah. we never penalize those people. We Michael Phelps is a, a super. No, we don't. Michael no, Phelps no, no. is a superhuman. Do you remember that? No, what I'm talking about is not white individuals. I'm oh, sure. talking no, about yeah, yeah. people of color that have. Higher they, testosterone yes. or yeah, certain... Women with yeah. higher testosterone levels or met... No, that's never talked about. But you know what I mean? Like, it's always people of color. It's never people like Michael Phelps who were white. Sure. 
But but like to Michael Phelps, like Michael Phelps is you know one of the best swimmers of all time, if not the best. He's done very well. He's like has this weird ratio for his arms, which gives yeah. him like a greater stroke in the pool. He has like literal like muscle wings, which have like twitch fibers, which make him like more effective at swimming. He doesn't build up lactic acid as fast, which means he can go for longer without suffering the effects. I think he even has like a better metabolism than most people. And we're like, oh, that's just normal. That's just a dude doing well in sports. Yeah, all sports are arbitrary because you have stuff like this. And the idea that you would allow that but not somebody who, like, is transitioning is kind of crazy. But to finish my hot take, really just bring it all around, I think that if we started young and created a positive sexual atmosphere, sexuality positive atmosphere, where you were very clear, this is a penis, this is a vagina, sometimes women have vaginas, and sometimes women have penises, we wouldn't have this big of an issue. Because all we hear in legislation and and, um, politics right now is, oh, well, I don't want my daughter's son walking in and seeing a penis in the locker room when a penis shouldn't belong there. And it's like, if they knew what those things were and they knew what was actually going on in bodies, they wouldn't be fucking afraid of them. And that's my hot take. Great. Yeah. Love it. Um, I mean, while we're on the topic, we can just talk about some of the other bills that have been proposed. There's an article from uh, Them Magazine written by James Factoria, February 11th of this year. So he was talking about how after 2021, a year that had a historical level of anti-LGBTQ bills, um, there's been a crazy amount of new anti-LGBT state law bills being pushed in 2022. So the first main category is fairness in women's sports. Um, these are often framed with the guise of saving women's sports. South Dakota uh, signed SB 46, singling out trans girls while allowing for legal loopholes that would let girls and trans boys compete on boys' teams. Uh, South Carolina's H4608 says that members of the female sex would be allowed to compete on boy teams while their verse is explicitly banned. Uh, many of these bills also give students the ability to sue schools that allow trans kids to compete while establishing legal immunity for schools that don't. Some require birth certificates. Many specifically disqualify birth certificates that have been corrected. Um, most of the states that are passing these bills don't have any recorded instances of trans athletes competing. Um, often these athletes, of course, receive nation- nationwide scrutiny from conservative commentators and media. So, like, even if a trans person did want to compete, like, the fact that they would constantly put on a pedestal and, like, scrutinized and whatnot, and if they ever did win, they'd be, like, insulted and backstabbed, I, I think probably disincentivizes a lot of people. So, fairness in women's sports bills were considered in at least 31 states last year, and 10 have already signed it into law. So, that's pretty popular. In 2022, 27 states have already introduced such bills. Uh, another category is anti-health care, similar to the Texas bill. These bills generally seek to ban the prescription of puberty blockers and hormone therapy for minors. Uh, many of these bills usually include an exception. Sometimes it allow these surgeries to continue if they're performed uh, on intersex children. So that's interesting. Uh, you can't change your assigned gender at birth, sorry, assigned sex at birth, but if you fall between sexes, it's still allowed. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, Wait, I have a question for you. Just okay, mm-hmm. so you can be intersex by either hormones, or you can be intersex via biological parts, right? I think they're talking about biological parts. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well, you know, people who are born with, you know, both. But yeah, yeah. Um, so Alabama included SB one eighty four, which was introduced in January, criminalizing the provision of gender affirming care. It would make it a class C felony, which could lead to a jail sentence of ten years. Uh, SB 1084 defined a minor as anyone under the age of 19. 
So 18 to 19 year olds who can pretty much make any sort of healthcare decision they want by themselves would be penalized. Um, and many advocates have pointed out correctly, this would be a slippery slope to banning trans healthcare for people of all ages. Some bills, such as Oklahoma's HB 3240, threaten to bar organizations that provide gender-affirming care from receiving public funds. Uh, 21 states in 2021 introduced anti-trans healthcare bills, and in 2022, 16 states have introduced such bills. There's also mandated reporter bills. These are insidious. These bills represent the most emerging trend among anti-LGBTQ bills. They would prohibit teachers, nurses, principals, counselors, and other authority figures in public schools from coercing trans and non-binary students into hiding their gender identities from their parents. If a child tells a school authority figure they identify with a gender other than the one they were assigned at birth, these bills, such as Arizona's recent SB 1045, would prohibit teachers from withholding that information from the child's parents. So children who might feel uncomfortable talking about the fact they might be gay or trans at home because their parents have made derisive comments about gay and trans people at home in the past uh, would have their identity effectively ratted out by the teachers. And I'm not saying the teachers want to do it, but they're a mandated reporter and could potentially face criminal penalties if they don't. Arizona also has HB 2293 in the works, which would prohibit public schools from requiring school officials to respect trans students' pronouns. Um, Naomi, I don't know if you recall this. This was an issue at the schools we attended in the Great Hearts Network, uh, among other things mentioned in the uh, many, many, many Instagram posts about all of the problems yeah, did of we explain? racism and sexism at the schools uh, was also the fact that teachers just refused to use proper pronouns. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, our school network, we were a part. We went to one of the like first schools in the network, and... Um, Joel graduated a number of years ago. He's one of the first few graduating classes, and I graduated about, God, like six, seven years after you, and it just got increasingly worse. Um, I think it was because the vast majority of the people that were coming through were... It, w it was, to describe the school system best um, in, in a short amount of words, it was Catholic school without the Catholicism. We've gotten at this before. Yeah. Um, there's, I think, two more categories. Let me not close my window on me. Oh, three more. Uh, parents' rights in education. So uh, Florida has a bill, HB 5557 and SB 1834, known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. These bills would ban classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity that isn't, quote, age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate. Yeah, I think it's like kindergarten to third grade. Uh, South Carolina's H-455 uh, would also force schools to develop procedures to inform parents about school clubs, which likely targets LGBTQ plus clubs, such as gay-straight alliances. The bill also grants parents the right to opt their children out of sex education that addresses AIDS or any instruction regarding sexuality. Yeah, that's like saying, oh, I don't know, uh, influenza doesn't exist. I don't want my kids to learn about influenza. That's going to make them super prepared and healthy and coming world other states like oklahoma and arizona have also introduced their own censorship bills oklahoma's would ban public school libraries from carrying books about quote sexual perversion and gender identity as well as books that are of a sexual nature um it's worth noting that these proposed bills go hand in hand with a conservative effort to ban critical race theory from classrooms at least 20 states have introduced bills such far in 2022 there's also new bathroom bills south dakota oklahoma and mississippi have all introduced bathroom bills they would mandate that shower rooms, changing rooms, restrooms, and overnight accommodations be separated by biological sex. Uh, only three have uh, introduced them so far, but they do appear to be making a comeback. And then finally, religious freedom bills. Um, 
HF 170, uh, filed last month, expands the definition of sincerely held religious beliefs and moral convictions to include opposition to gay marriage, that male and female refer to distinct and immutable biological sexes, and that unborn children should have rights. Under this bill, people would be allowed to refuse services, jobs, housing, medical care, and more to anyone as long as they try to justify it under the guise of religious belief. While the Iowa bill and other ones like those in New Jersey and West Virginia are all-encompassing, several states are also trying to pass bills slightly more granular. Florida has advanced HB 747, which would allow medical providers to deny services that violate their consciences. Um, yeah, good stuff. At least 11 states have introduced religious freedom bills in 2022 so far. How you feeling? I'm just so surprised that like all of these things, like you hear about these bills and you're like, oh, that's not going to go anywhere. And then they just sped up so quickly and they're passing in more and more states. And like you think about new age, like people coming about and you know how one side's like, oh, well, everyone's becoming so liberal because they're going to college. Um, and you'd think like these voters would have a say in it. Um, and they're so, it's just so quick. Like you, you blink and there's another law that's passed. And yeah. I feel like everything's just like speeding up at the speed of light. Uh, so to answer kind of your question, why is it that these bills are popping out so fast? I don't know if this is the problem specifically, but this is a common issue. And there's a group called the American Legislative Exchange Council. Um, it's called ALEC. And it basically writes, it's a nonprofit organization of conservative uh, state legislators and private sector representatives who draft and share model legislation for distribution among state governments in the United States. So basically, they write kind of like Mad Libs legislation yeah. that is like meant to be utilized by as many states as possible. And then they share that with their members who want to push certain policies yeah. like anti-trans bathroom bills and then those members just fill in the blanks with like the name of their state and you know other general details that may be specific to state law so the idea is a group of private business and conservative leaders in a back room somewhere come up with a bill and then rapidly disseminate it to as many states as possible and it's a really clever strategy because not only does it save resources and like allows them to construct intelligent legislation that's difficult to like immediately like shut down um it, it also means that like it's very difficult for say the aclu to go after you know 15 20 yeah. different state governments all at once now it doesn't always work but approximately 200 model bills become law each year so they're doing they're doing good for uh you know the things they care about uh i don't know if there's any examples on wikipedia about some of the bills that they've uh, pushed um, the ALEC website states its goals is to advance the fundamental principles of free market enterprise, limited government, and federalism. Um, they focused more on business and regulatory matters in recent years after, I guess, in the first couple of years, they spent a lot of time on abortion. Um, I think there are a couple of abortion uh, ALEC bills. They pushed uh, stand your ground laws. That was a big thing that they did. Expanded to 30 states the support of ALEC after Florida passed its law in 2005. And then voter ID laws, immigration, uh, criminal sentencing, and prison management, and deregulation of environmental uh, industries. So, you know, good, good, important stuff. Um, oh, in the 1980s, they pushed anti-gay propaganda and urged legislators to oppose attempts to homosexualize society. But yeah, basically, anytime you see this big push for certain policies across the country it's not because people are writing legislation really fast it's because the legislation's already written they're just yeah. bringing it up all at the same time in order to make it like more difficult to 
fight. It's yeah. really cool. Um, method. So the good news looping all the way back around to the beginning regarding Texas and this like anti-trans bill is that for the time being, it has been suspended. Um, so the ACLU and Lambda Legal filed a lawsuit against Greg Abbott and the state's child welfare agency. I wonder how many lawsuits he's had from ACLU. Um, too many, I'm sure. And yeah. on March 11th, the lawsuit was dropped. A state court in Texas issued a statewide injunction prohibiting them from investigating families. Uh, we learned in the process of that lawsuit that state officials were instructed to, quote, avoid keeping records of such investigations. And I got to say... Um, that's a really good way to ensure you're doing the right thing is not ever keeping any records on your activity. Um, yeah, so they had already been investigating, um, I think six or nine separate families across the state in the space of two weeks, which doesn't sound like a lot, but one of which was actually a child of a CPS employee. So like the people who are supposed to, you know, investigate families for child abuse, they were themselves being investigated. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's totally possible the Texas Supreme Court's going to overturn this for the time being. However, it has been stopped. The reason I wanted to talk about all this now, I mean, we've kind of gotten about this, but this is something that we've discussed so many times where denying the humanity of trans people leads directly to this shit. Like, if you don't accept the validity of trans people, you don't either think they deserve to exist or that they should be encouraged to transition. Even though the most recent evidence that we've discussed on this podcast directly supports the idea they do better with transitioning and social support, there's still a lot of people who just think they're, like, abhorrent and don't deserve to exist. And I want to talk a little bit about why that is. Because The Atlantic had an article talking about the Republican Party finding new groups to demonize. And this was written, actually, last year in April of 2021 by Adam Serwer. Um, so they talked a little bit about how, and this is not unique to one party, but like is something that one party consistently pushes and is much more overt about. Um, so the GOP for years, you know, we're targeting gay people. Mm-hmm. So like in 2004, gay people were the GOP's target. Um, initiatives have been pushed, ballot referendums, all this anti-gay legislation. Carl Rove was pushing this. He was Bush's like senior political advisor. Um, and he, argued to the New York Times in November 2020, uh, 2004 that moral values had carried Bush to re-election. So the Republican Party thought that like pushing morality was like the path to success. Um, so that said, it didn't really work out because it turns out gay people are uh, human beings and when they become more accepted in society, people are like, oh, that's, that's fine. I guess I really didn't care. Uh, from 2004 to 2010, support for marriage equality increased from 31 to 42%. Uh, the military's ban on openly gay service members would be repealed, um, and all of that good stuff happened. So Republicans have targeted groups they believe are too small or too powerless to spark a costly political backlash. By attacking them, the GOP seeks to place Democrats in a political bind. If they decline to bow demagoguery, Democrats risk looking either too culturally avant-garde for the comfort of more conservative voters whose support they need to remain viable, or too preoccupied with defending the rights of a beleaguered minority to pay attention to bread-and-butter issues that matter to the majority. This strategy worked in the past. Let's not forget President Bill Clinton signed a federal statute outlawing same-sex marriage in 1996. Many people across the political spectrum accept the premise that defending a marginalized group's civil rights is identity politics, while choosing to strip away those rights is not. That's a big issue. So, in 2021, Republicans have lost the fight over marriage equality. Now, so decisively, some pretend to not have even opposed it in the first place. Um, Now, this is alarming to a lot of religious conservatives who are some of the biggest supporters of Republicans. So what are they going to do to appease them? 
Well, there's also the problem that the fight over immigration is locked in a stalemate because Trump showed national Republicans that embracing nativism is less politically costly than they'd supposed. Anti-Muslim animus has hardly disappeared, but it's no longer as useful of a tool to oppose the current leader of the Democratic Party, an elderly Irish Catholic man, right? It's hard to argue that, like, Biden is trying to bring more immigrants in this country when, one, his immigration policy is in many ways worse than Trump's, and two, he doesn't have, like, they will find any like way they will find any way to hate him like the his whole stance on abortion and he's like oh well every woman in this country should have proper access to abortion and he said that the state of the union the other day and they panned over to um uh supreme court justice amy coney barrett and, and she was like ew like she like made that feel like she grimaced and i was like literally shut Incredible. the fuck up um so yeah uh so they need to manufacture a new threat. They need to manufacture a new cultural thing in order to paint Democrats again as being like too aloof in city. Like, you know, if you live in the country, it's very likely you've never like had a serious conversation with a trans person or you did and didn't realize it. Yeah. Which is like also totally possible. Yeah. But if you live in a city, the likelihood that you interact with trans people on a more consistent basis, in my mind, is a lot higher. Yes. And so you can paint someone as a cultural elite if, you know, they're like, hey, I live in a city and trans people are fine. So, according to this article, Republicans have conjured a new existential threat, targeting trans people, a tiny segment of the population that is nonetheless the subject of a full-blown panic. Earlier forays in anti-trans politics resulted in a backlash, with North Carolina's infamous 2016 bathroom bill being repealed. The Republicans have since redoubled their efforts with a particular emphasis on, quote, protecting children, a familiar echo of their opposition to the civil rights of gay Americans. Basically, every argument they make against trans people was used against gay people. I don't want gay people in changing rooms right lusting after my children or whatever right i don't want gay people to receive proper health care because that's just going to support like their horrible lifestyles these are going to get clipped and used against me out of context yeah actually we're going to clip this and put that into that episode full of just like good oh the clip show yeah Yeah. it's gonna be great um yeah so republican legislators have passed bans on gender affirming medical care overriding governor's vetoes uh, republican legislators in north carolina proposed legislation that would go even further forcing state employees to immediately notify in writing if a child displays gender nonconformity. uh there are texas proposals blah 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 laws are egregious violations of personal liberty inserting the state in decisions best made by families in consultation with medical professionals and that many of the people involved in passing such laws are among those who fought marriage equality is no coincidence I think it's a pretty straightforward argument that basically trans people are an effective punching bag in order to, like, give red meat to your base. So what you're saying is it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Most likely. And, and this is, again, I would say a problem for Democrats because there's not a lot of good cultural consciousness about, like, trans people. I, there's been more high-profile trans people in recent years, which yes. I think is helpful. But still, there's a lot of confusion about, like, what being trans entails and what like an appropriate age to start transitioning is. And it's also interesting that when you've surveyed people about offering gender affirming medical care, their responses vary wildly depending on whether or not it's put into context. Yeah. So I've seen some surveys, I don't know if I can pull them up right now, where they surveyed all political parties and they found like Democrats were supportive they like 78 percent were like oh yeah people should be allowed to make their own decisions on medical care um 78 percent and then democrats like 48 or 52 percent were like oh yeah i totally support that i think the government shouldn't be involved in medical decisions but then when you ask the question do you support the recent texas ban on gender affirming medical care they were the vast majority of republicans were in support of that 
right? And that this is, again, not unique to Republicans. Democrats do the same thing when you talk about drone strikes and, like, a vacuum, they're deeply opposed to them. But then when you talk about Obama's drone strikes, they're much more supportive. Uh, people vary their political beliefs based on what their party actually supports. It's like a common thing. Uh, but the problem is, like, the more this gets politicized, the more I think people are going to get more sure of themselves and their political beliefs, which isn't good. Um, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. But I, I think what's interesting, and you sort of touched on this earlier, is there's going to be a lot of false reports if this goes through. There's going to be a lot of inaccurate reports. If I'm, like, quarreling with my neighbor Steve, because, like, Steve won't, like, I don't know, shovel his driveway, and that makes the neighborhood look really bad. You're going to well, say that his kid is yeah. now looking to be transgender. Yeah. yeah, and that Steve's abusing his kids by, like, providing them affirmative medical treatment. Oh, like, I hate when people common. support their children and but what then, they want. But then, like, there's the other fact that I think in recent years, I, I don't know, maybe this is the vacuum I live in, I think more parents have become accepting of the idea that sometimes kids just want to dress up like the other sex, like in a non-trans way. Like sometimes boys just want to wear dresses, yeah. right? And I think parents have become more accepting of that. And then there's lots of girls who, you know, for lack of a better term, tom girls, you know, who like... Tomboys? Yes, that. <laughs> uh, who, you know, act more, you might argue, masculine yeah. than you know, the average woman does. And they might be caught up in this too, where if they don't identify as the opposite sex, they have no plans to transition, but people look at them and are like, oh my God, look at that person trying to become something they're not. So that's really cool and good. Um, yeah, and I can definitely see this being weaponized in a state like Texas against parents you don't like, you know, whether they're gay or interracial or too liberal or whatever. You know, if someone has like a Biden flag on their front lawn, it's very easy to be like, well, they probably support gender transition in their kids. So that's fun and good. Um, and then my concern is it probably won't stop here. Like if the bills already cover like not transitioning until you're 19, like they're probably going to push it to 21 and then even further. They're going to do the stuff like banning them from public places again and banning discussion of them in classrooms and banning websites from hosting content that kids could access. Like, if it works so well for them now, why would they stop? See, what I hate is that, like, this is just the start. And so now, like, let me just put it this way. I love, I love when governments think that they can have total autonomy over their citizens' bodies. And like, this is why I we're a libertarian it. podcast. <laughs> Um, now, one thing that I thought was interesting was why is it Greg Abbott decided to sign that bill the day no. he did? Yeah. Um, now, you could argue, as the political article I read at the beginning did, that he's doing it in order to shore up his base before the elections. Yeah. But there's another argument if I want to get slightly conspiratorial. Yeah, do it. Um, so Newsweek on February 23rd, the same day this was announced, an article by Lilia Slisko. Uh, that said, Governor Abbott ordered price gouging during power outages, says the former Texas energy chief. Texas Governor Greg Abbott allegedly pushed to charge residents sky-high energy prices amid the winter storm that paralyzed the state and caused massive blackouts last year, according to court testimony from the former head of his state's power grid. The former Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, CEO Bill Magnus, testified in court on Wednesday about the Republican governor's alleged role in allowing power prices to reach and remain at the maximum cap of $9,000 per megawatt hour, or 150 times the normal rate. More than 4.5 million Texans lost power during February 2021 crisis, contributing to the death of at least 246 people. 
Magnus maintained he was left with no choice but to go with the rate increase, racking up huge profits for energy companies in the process. After Abbott allegedly told the former Public Utility Commission chair, Deanne Walker, to do anything it took to prevent more blackouts. The PUC ordered the maximum price February 15th as part of the anti-blackout effort with prices meeting at the cap until February 19th. Uh, Walker told me the governor had conveyed to her that if we emerged from rotating outages, it was imperative they do not resume, Magnus reportedly said. We needed to do what we needed to do to make it happen. Abbott spokesperson Mark Miner insisted the governor was not involved in a price increase in any way in comments last year. In a statement obtained by Newsweek, Abbott campaign spokesperson Renee Eze reiterated the governor was not involved in the increase. So I'm not saying that like that's the worst thing in the world, but for a lot of Texans who were affected, say 4.5 million Texans who were affected by um, winter storms, they might be a little pissed to find out that the governor was the one who had a sky-high energy prices a lot of people couldn't afford, which led to thousands of dollars in bills after the storm if they hadn't, you know, frozen to death. If he Was he directly, sorry, I, you, I think you glazed over this part, did he directly profit off of? I don't know. Um, I do know energy companies were big donors to Abbott during the last election. Okay, okay, um, okay. So, you know, it's politics. It's all this yeah. web, this giant Gordian's knot. Because they're not actually politicians. They're just fundraisers. Pretty much. Yeah. So we're getting to the, the, the ending bit of this. Um, you know, what's happening now? Well, according to Axios on March 10th, uh, some companies are coming out against it. 60 companies apparently signed on to a letter, including Apple, Google, Meta, Johnson & Johnson, Ikea, PayPal, Capital One, Electronic Arts, and many firms, uh, which ran in the Friday edition of the Dallas Morning News, calling the new Texas order discriminatory. Uh, the recent attempt to criminalize a parent for helping the transgender child goes against the values of our company, the ad reads. Um, I don't know how effective that's going to be. Sometimes corporate pressure has mixed success promoting changes. So the Axios article notes that pressure, including some from tech companies, played a role in getting North Carolina to modify a law that prevented transgender people from accessing public restrooms. Signatories to the new ad include Texas-based game studio Gearbox, which is one of more than 1,400 local businesses that opposed a controversial Texas law last year that effectively banned transgender student-athletes. And then studio leadership said publicly in April 2021 the proposed law was bad for business, arguing that one of the impacts would be to discourage people from moving to and working in Texas. Um, yeah, that's all well and good. The problem is Texas has the lowest corporate tax rate in the nation. It's tied with a couple of other states. Awesome. So Texas, Washington State, Wyoming, Ohio, South Dakota, and Nevada all have a tax rate, corporate tax rate of 21%. I don't know if corporations actually pay it, but that's like what the official tax rate is. Um, so if a company makes a billion dollars a year, they save $20 million just by being in Texas, right? That's a big chunk of change to work with. That's oh, a big incentive. yeah, we talked about this when we talked about um, why Joe Rogan moved from L.A. to Texas, I don't know if it was corporate tax rate. I think it was personal tax rate. I don't believe they have a state income tax. I could be wrong on that. But yeah, it definitely had to do with tax rates. Okay. Um, so you have six states that are all tied for corporate tax rate. Your other options are Ohio, South Dakota, Nevada, Washington, and Wyoming. Uh, Washington's pretty expensive. The others don't really have a lot of infrastructure you probably need as a giant company. Maybe Nevada, maybe Ohio, but yeah, Texas is pretty convenient and super cheap. You go up slightly, like North Carolina, Missouri, North Dakota have you know 23%, 23.8%, 24.4%. Again, none of those are places that I'd be like, I want to put my giant multinational company there. 
So it's not until you get to places like Florida, Colorado, and Arizona, Florida with a 24.6%, Colorado 24.7%, Arizona 249 where you're like, oh, those places have infrastructure and are accessible to a lot of things. Um, but yeah, you're talking about a difference of 3.5-3.9% in taxes, which would be $40 million a year. Yeah. So these companies are talking the talk, but they're not, I don't think, going to walk the walk because they're just saving so much money by being in Texas. Um, I think, to an extent, their employees are probably pretty comfortable being there, too. Like, you know, a lot of California companies moved to Texas in the last two years, and their employees, you know, who are paying, God, I don't know, you know, $5,000 a month in rent in San Francisco are probably paying, you know, a half or a quarter of that living in the Texas area. Ugh. So one recommendation that I saw online was from Amber Brigg. Uh, she's at Mrs. Briggy, which I thought was cute on Twitter. Um, she made the suggestion to parents of trans kids across the country, if I can recommend one thing to work on today, besides hugging your babies harder than ever, it's to start building a safe folder. A safe folder contains important items like your child's medical and legal records, vaccination records, court documents, passports, etc., showing their legal name if it's been changed. Also include letters from trusted people like neighbors, your child's principal, clergy, etc., that talk about what a wonderful parent you are. Also include oh, photos, including self-portraits your children have drawn that document your trans child transition are also helpful. If you have a social media account and are considering deleting, download all of your pics and posts first use as evidence of their persistent gender identity. One year, my son drew me the loveliest Mother's Day card. He told me how much he loved me and how safe he felt when he was with me. The first thing I thought was this is the sweetest thing he's ever made me. The second heartbreaking thing I thought is this goes in the safe folder. Include report cards to medals and awards that they've earned from their accomplishments. Unfortunately, I pray you'll never need to rely on your safe folder, but if someone calls CPS on you for doing nothing more than loving your transgender child and supporting them in the ways that they need, you have evidence to back up that you are a good parent. Um, I thought that was good advice, unfortunately. Uh, you should not have to live in constant fear. Support the fetus, kill the child. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've heard, which I think is really classist, is people saying that, like, escaping from Texas should be an option. Um, it's... Escaping from this freaking country. Escaping from this world. Let's go to Mars. And go spend time on Elon Musk's moon base. It's gonna be great. Yeah. You know um, he just had another baby with Grimes? Let's not make this an Elon Musk podcast. <laughs> uh, so I did see this take from Thorne Hawthorne on Twitter. Uh, she says, as someone who actually did escape from Texas, I'm begging you to consider the way you all talk about just leaving Texas as though it's super easy, sensible, or simple. Um, she said, I left Texas, I got off. I got, sorry, I got out. <laughs> I'm not any better off as a result, though. While Texas preventing young trans people from accessing health care, the state I moved to has begun working on making it illegal for trans people of any age to get health care. Did she say where she's now? Uh, I yeah, didn't look into it. Okay. The sad part is that access to transgender health care for adults in places like northern and central Texas is actually really good. Some amazing endocrinologists and surgeons are in DFW, August, San Antonio, and Houston. There's even a hospital in Dallas that's known for working with trans people's insurance on appeals. Even if your plan doesn't cover something, you still may be able to get it done. Leaving that behind while finishing my transition kind of sucks, actually. Relocating to another state was devastating for me, someone who doesn't have children or a spouse. I lost community, access to resources, access to healthcare, etc. Now imagine trying to relocate an entire family. How much of that costs? How much risk is associated? I also need you to consider what kinds of places most people who live in Texas can move to, even if they successfully sell their house, assuming they even own one. And if they don't, what kinds of places have similar costs of living? Job availability. What about people who work for the city or state who can't easily leave? What do we expect them to do? 
we've discussed this before, but like being able to make a decent income and like pay for basic necessities is like very much a human rights issue. <laughs> because But like, no one wants to talk about yeah, it though. Because like you need the ability to move around in order to like not be subject to like the whims of whatever area you're living in at a given moment. And it's frustrating you mean even like, for her because she's like, yeah. I did move, I did get out, and these are all the yeah. difficulties I'm still experiencing having moved from Texas. And like again, where are you going to go from Texas? North Carolina, Ohio, Nevada, Wyoming. Yeah. Like I'm not saying any of those places are bad per se, but in terms of like job accessibility, I know that I probably could not get a job in my current field if I were just to like hop out and head over to any of those places today. So that's all fun and good. Um, there has been some work by the Biden administration. Um, there has been some positive pushes there. The Office of Civil Rights will make contact with parents and defend them from like accusations of abuse. Um, the HHS is demanding that HIPAA be followed. So like you can't say, oh, this person is trans without like a court order. <laughs> so that's really good. Um, there was also a fairly I just don't strong understand. statement released. I just don't understand. Like, are they going to go back to like medieval times where they have to do like, like the, like uh, a cardinal has to go in and check your virginity or something? Like, I don't understand how they can prove these things. I mean, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. So, like, they're like, hey, this person looks pretty feminine. Um, we think that their biological sex is ma- masculine. Uh, we don't like that. You're going to prison. Everybody said that you looked like a girl when you were younger because you had long eyelashes. That mean mom and dad were putting child endangerment? Yes. But, but yeah, long eyelashes. Naomi, the likely scenario is not that they're going to go after everybody. It's going to go after some people, and the people who are affected are those who are either too poor to fight the charges yes. or have something else that like pisses people off. Again, being super liberal, being an interracial couple, being gay, whatever. Yeah. They're going to have some aspect of their lifestyle that you know the person examining them or the people examining them find offensive, and that's going to be used and weaponized as example of like how incompetent and horrible parents they are. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. The, the concern I have is, as we've discussed, other bills are coming. They will also be bad. You discussed the Idaho bill. Um, I saw something about, was it the Idaho bill? No, um, Iowa. Iowa, yeah, yeah. So I saw something on Twitter, which was, the text of the Idaho anti-trans law mentions the removing of any otherwise healthy and non-diseased body part or tissue, which would make haircuts and clipping your fingernails a felony. I thought that was cute, but it also goes to the fact that, like, these bills, for the most part, are poorly written and are just red meat meant to, like, convince people that Republican legislators are fighting for their interests. That would also ban all plastic surgery, circumcision, and all exfoliating products. Now, the bill states it only applies to things that cause profound morphological changes and or transient or permanent infertility, but there's two responses to that. First, what constitutes a profound morphological change? Because, like, a haircut can change how you look. Yeah. And second, how do you measure transient infertility in a child? It would also make things like organ donation illegal because donating a kidney or part of your liver or whatever definitely induces a profound morphological change. You in your couldn't body. even go to the nail salon and get a pedicure because they take off the dead skin on the bottom of your feet. Yeah. So, like, this stuff's coming. I think it's important to be realistic and, like, what's going to happen and, you know, what's going to continue to happen. I unfortunately don't have a lot of really good advice for people listening. Like, it's true to an extent that Democrats aren't the ones pushing for this legislation. 
And but like I think it's really reductionist to just say vote because Democrats can be really harmful in other ways. Yeah. I'll also say this: the Democrats are not doing a good job of really defending the rights of trans people. You know, the Biden administration has done some very limited stuff, but I've heard very few public statements come from like any Democratic representative uh, in Congress or the Senate. So that's frustrating. So you get to vote for the party that's actively weaponizing and making life harder for minority groups or the one that isn't doing anything about it. That's like a fun choice to choose between. Um, I definitely think local politics, you can make a much more of a difference if you're involved in contacting your state legislators. Um, given that so few people participate in like state politics, you can make much more of a difference. Like I know three of my state legislators by name. They recognize me when I see them at rallies. That's not because I'm a particularly well-informed person. Joel's trying to flex on us. Oh, like I'm out there. It's just, I've seen them a couple of times. I wrote them a couple letters. Uh, what's his name? Juan Mendez. I actually was like, Hey, you know, I know you're trying to push some climate change stuff. Do you want some materials? And he's like, Oh yeah, I'd love to read more about it. So I sent him like four books on climate change and sustainable design. Did he send them back? No, I said, you can have these. And he's like, great, I'm going to read them and send them around the office. My colleagues are more informed. I was going to label him as a (laughs) non-book (laughs) returner. There's enough people in my life, including people I used to coach debate in, who I would give books, and they were like, I'm just going to keep this and never give it back. And that's like kind of flattering if I give you a book and you never return it. But I know you just stole it. I know you're going to sell it on eBay. See, I love doing that. I love, like, giving resources out to people, but I hate when they don't give them back because I gave, like, some really good books out to people, and I'm just going to fight them until I get them back. Yeah. So, yeah, like, this isn't a minor thing. If you do have trans friends, they're probably going through some stuff. I'd check in on them. Like, don't be condescending and be like, sucks, but be like, hey, how's it going? You know, just reach out. I would also encourage people, you know, maybe do some reading um, that sounds, again, a little silly, but, like, Trans people go through a lot. They experience a lot of shit. Like, maybe it's helpful to understand, like, what it means to transition, um, what your trans average trans person's experiences are, um, you know, some of the medical stuff surrounding trans issues so you yourself don't fall into these traps of thinking you're actually doing good by, you know, preventing children from access to gender-affirming health care. It's a shitty situation, and I, I think it's the first step is to make sure people are, you know, informed and educated so they can make proper decisions on it. The next step is purchasing firearms. I think that's a good idea for yeah. everyone involved. Let's get some date these guys firearms groups. Going. No, I really think that we should get some merch, slap a sticker on a gun, and say, "Hey, look! Everybody gets a gun that listens." All but, our Patreons, but for a donation, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Donation. yeah, yeah. All our Patreon subscribers. I was just reading the other day. So Washington D.C. in like 2014 locally passed a provision that would legalize marijuana. Yeah. But because Washington D.C. is basically a servant state, and yeah. basically every decision needs to be approved by the actual Congress of the United States. Yeah. Um, they've never approved it. So instead, they have this workaround where, in order to purchase weed, you purchase like T-shirts uh-huh. or like other products in the shop, and they give you a gift of weed as appreciation oh. for purchasing that T-shirt. Yeah, it's fun, but yeah. it's also so stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Washington D.C.'s politics are messed up. Uh, they can't really do anything. I, I don't even know if they can vote. <laughs> pretty state, pretty city though. Really good food. It's kind of swampy. Yeah, that's true. Let me let me make sure I'm giving accurate information before we leave. Okay. It's important to me. Um, as a federal capital, the District of Columbia is a special federal district, not a state, and therefore does not have voting representation <laughs> in Congress. Good stuff. Um, they 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 can cast presidential election ballots, but they do not have a representative for their specific area. They're not even part of Maryland. 
Well, that sucks. Jeez. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're bigger, I think, than Delaware. They're a very large city, so good stuff. Good stuff. People, thank you for listening to us. Um, I know these trans episodes are always, like, heartwarming. Really and depressing. Affirming and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, these are things that we care about. Um, we think we can make a difference. We also hope that we're educating you in the process. If you're not keeping up with the news, I know it's hard these days to keep up with the news. It's depressing to keep up with the news. Yeah, that's very true. Um, thank you for sticking with us. We, yeah. we do appreciate our listeners. We appreciate our Patreon supporters. We appreciate Including everyone Haley. who has said nice things. We're going to bleep out that name, too. Good work, Naomi. Giving you extra work. I was going to edit this episode. Not well. <laughs> yeah, but um, these issues are important. Please, you know, treat them with the, the degree of consideration that they deserve. Respect people, y'all. Have a great week, guys. Try to stay positive. Thank you.